Now, we do it all thanks to the good people at Garmin, and I did a segment on the Today Show this week looking at uh, a bunch of retrofitting in car tech, and one of the products I took on was actually the Garmin wireless backup camera. The Today Show said, can you find a you know a reversing camera? I've got to tell you, hard to find a good quality one. Uh, I looked around some of the stores, and they were, I'll be honest, they just looked like kind of cheap Chinese kind of products, and I didn't know that I was going to get the, the ultimate quality there. So I tried the... Um, the BC30 wireless backup camera. This is a $249 product, but um, what it does is the cable, the, the camera kind of clips on the number plate or on the back back of the car and it wires through um, cigarette lighter for power and obviously you can get double adapters for those things, which is great. But then it, it does, you don't need to wire all the way through the dashboard because it, it's wirelessly transmitting to uh, a Garmin screen. And what you what you use there is, you know, basically any of the uh, approved and compatible uh, Garmin navigators. So you've got a dash cam, sorry, a, a satellite navigation unit on the dash. And when you um, when you want to view the camera, you just press a button and bingo, the camera is engaged and shows up on your um, on your satellite navigation system. So a really great way to retrofit a reversing camera, um, if you, especially if you've already got a Garmin um, sat nav unit that's compatible with it. Uh, and, and really worth checking that. There's a bunch of Garmin sat-nav units. The Garmin drive range primarily, as well as a lot of the newbies, um, will work with the uh, uh, wireless backup camera. But check that one out, the BC30 wireless backup camera from Garmin. Your Tech Life with Trevor Long. Now, I got an email during the week, and I had to go back and forth a little bit to actually confirm what it was and how it worked. And it was about teaching your kids how to care for pets. And it's an app that does that, but it does it using hermit crabs. And they're real hermit crabs. You go to a pet store, you buy these hermit crabs called the Craboos. Um, they come from four different tribes, different colours, um, and they're your pet. You obviously buy a little container for them and all those different things. And um, the very cool thing is that uh, then the app reminds the kids what they need to do with the Craboos. So this little hermit crab... Uh, you know, it tells you that it needs fresh water. It tells you you need to put salt in the in the pools. It tells you when it needs munchies and treats. And it basically tells you when things need to happen. And you can let it know that you've done those things. And as a parent, you can check that the kids are actually doing the things that they need to do to look after the crabs. Um, and so it's all about creating that care and responsibility around the pet. You know, you might do that for six months before you realize that the kids are capable and up to the routine of looking after a pet. Because you don't want to buy a dog and then have them never clean up after it or never feed it. So it's a great way to kind of test whether your kids are ready for pets. don't know. What do you think? Um, EFTM.com.au. Hit me up on Twitter. At Trevor Long is my username. And, of course, I'm on Facebook as well. Uh, just go Facebook.com forward slash Trevor Long. So, the drone, the Ehang 184. Saw this thing 2016 at CES. Saw it a month ago at CES. And at CES this year, they said they'd flown it 200 times. They'd done flight testing even with people in it. This is the personal transport drone. It's a giant thing, size of a little little Mazda 2. Um, one seat inside and a tablet. You sit in it, theoretically, and you put your destination, and it flies you there. There are no controls. You don't have to know how to fly at all. You just need to know how to sit and brace yourself, basically. Um, so we thought this is great. Maybe it'll be used for deliveries in a few years. Nah, Dubai. They're going to use it this year. It's going to be flying this June in July, uh, June and July, with people. 
Now, they haven't confirmed the actual details of who's going to fly it, whether it's going to be available, whether it's going to be two test flights, whether it's constantly going to be in use. But their promo video definitely indicates a human being kind of making a booking, getting in his drone and flying somewhere else. So clearly that's what's going to happen. Now, I want to be there for that. I mean, count me in at least to watch it happen. Apparently 100 kilo limit, so I need to uh, drop a couple. 3.5 I need to drop, let's be honest, um, to get that happening. But with three weeks' notice, with this opportunity, I could do it. Um, so I don't know. What do you think? Uh, a very interesting, very interesting uh, development for Dubai and for Ehang, because is it too early? Is it too soon to be doing this kind of um, advance in, in transport, in personal transport? Um, yeah, it's kind, of, uh, it's kind of interesting in that sense. So we will wait and see how that pans out, but I'd love your views on that one, eftm.com.au or on Twitter, uh, at eftm, at Trevor Long. You can find me there. Your Tech Life with Trevor Long. And we do it thanks to Alcatel. Now, one of the products Alcatel makes uh, for other companies is the uh, Optus X Sleek. The Optus X Sleek is $179. It features a 13-megapixel uh, rear and 5-megapixel front camera, a 5-inch display, a fingerprint sensor, and a very nice-looking design. It runs on the 4G Plus network for Optus. Uh, it takes superb photos and vid- videos. Uh, unlock it with a touch of a button because it's got a fingerprint sensor, and it's got 16 meg of storage. It's 16 gigabytes of storage on board. Battery life of up to 13 hours talk time and 17 days standby time if you were not to be taking many calls. Uh, It's a great-looking product and uh, impressive one from uh, Alcatel and Optus, the Optus X Sleek. Uh, Check it out now. Just go to the Optus website and search X-Sleek. That one's made by Alcatel, so you know it's going to be good. So I got a bit grumpy uh, at the end of last week. There were headlines flying around everywhere saying that the boss of the NBN said Australians didn't want fast broadband. Now, it's a good headline, a very good headline, and it got a lot of attention. Now, here's how the world of media works. When a major publication like News Limited runs a story, Everyone sees it and therefore thinks it's a massive story and follows it up. And most places, especially radio, just, you know, reuse the the quotes and the things within the story and others, you know, create an evolution of the story. I was a bit shocked by by the comments and contacted the NBN and said, can I get a transcript of, of what he actually said? And I read the transcript and I got a different reading completely. And my main point that I'll say to you right now is that, unfortunately, like it or lump it, doesn't matter how much of a deep um, j- journalist you are, you still have a leaning, you know? 
You're either for or against something. You either like it or you don't. And lots of people hate the NBN or love to hate the NBN, if you get me. Now, Bill Morrow was asked a question very fairly, a good question. Should we be asking questions as to why the NBN isn't offering gigabit speeds, which they've talked about in the past, and Telstra is talking about supplying via mobile? Good question. First and foremost, you can't get a gigabit on Telstra Mobile. That was a lab test. The actual speeds are around 350-odd meg. But what Bill Morrow said that was taken out of context was that there's no demand for it and that even if they offered it for free, we wouldn't take it. What he actually said was that there are 1.5 million homes that have the technology to give gigabit service and that, that NBN offers a product to retailers should they want to sell it. But the reality is a couple of retailers have signed up for a trial to look at what a gigabit service might look like, but they've chosen not to offer that to customers. So first and foremost, NBN's offering it. The retailers aren't. Now, the retailers and other people in the industry will tell you that's because the NBN is charging so much for it to the retailers, probably, because it all costs money. What he went on to say was, and, and he... He was asked in, in follow-up how much would it cost to deliver the service. He said, look, I suspect, and all I can do is assume here, because it's the retailers that do the market research and determine which product, but a gigabit per second is a lot of bandwidth. He went on to say, we did scour the planets and go around to talk to a variety of different carriers that have gigabits per second services that, are in, that they are selling and where consumers have taken up gigabit a second services. And we asked the question... Has anybody actually used that amount of bandwidth? And the answer unanimously is no. And he goes on to say, there are not that many applications that warrant much above the products being sold on the NBN today. Now he cops a massive amount of abuse for not being visionary and for this, that and the other. Fact is, Bill Morrow's job is to deliver the NBN, not deliver the the fibre to the premises NBN that the Labor Party um, promised nine years ago but to deliver the NBN, which is currently a different sort of mix. So the people that are hating on this are fibre-to-the-premise lovers and probably people who missed out on fibre-to-the-premise. Um, and the fact is, if you had a gigabit, you couldn't use it. You wouldn't use it. I don't want to break it to you, but I don't know why car companies are selling cars that go 200 k's an hour. You can't use it. There'd be no application for it. So there's an analogy there somewhere. I'm not entirely sure what it is, but I think Bill is spot on. If I had gigabit speeds right now and I went to upload a video to YouTube, I wouldn't use the full gigabit. I'd probably use three or 400 of it and it would upload much faster than my current connection, yes. So that I think people need to differentiate between him saying people don't want it and saying there's basically no application for it. Even if you had a home with five people all streaming 4K at the same time, you don't need 100. Certain parts of the internet can't even handle gigabit speed. So look, it's a long way off. I think Bill was taken massively out of context and a, and a mountain was made out of a molehill. There's been some pretty good follow-ups from, from uh, Bill Morrow and the NBN in different bits of the media. But in the end, it still stands and most people still think he said uh, what he said in the context that he was reported. So I think it was disappointing the way it was reported, but so be it. That was uh, how one person read the conversation. Um, we'll have to wait and see how it pans out in the end. But in the end, the NBN is coming, and it's coming very fast. And if you haven't checked your place, 
nbnco.com.au is the place to go to check out your address and see whether or not it's coming. For me, it's coming soon, April to June. I can't bloody wait. Anyway, be interested in your views. Here on Your Tech Life, go to the website, eftm.com.au. Talking technology without the jargon. Your, your Tech, Tech Life with Trevor Long. And you're listening to Your Tech Life. Thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading uh, episode 358. If you've got a question about technology, just jump on the website, eftm.com.au. That's what Gordon did. G'day, Gordon. G'day, mate. How are you? Yeah, really well. What can I do for you? Uh, baby boomer. And I need to upgrade my phone. Mm. What do you got now? OPPO. An OPPO, or an OPPO, as OPPO prefer to call them. But I call them an OPPO. Don't worry about that. How long you had the OPPO, mate? A couple of years. Okay. And you like it? And she... Oh, it's okay, but uh, can I say my son and my niece have got Samsung, and uh, I've, I've got questions, and there are problems, a few problems I have with it, and, mm. you know, they're versed on um, the Samsung, and they sort of, they um, they can't answer the questions I need answered. Oh, yeah, that, if I had a Samsung, I can follow up with them. And you know what, Gordon, I've got to say, uh, as much as there are great options out there from different companies, it happens often when people ring me about, say, an iPad or an iPhone, I say, listen, especially, you, you say you're baby boom, I'm talking much older people when they're in their 80s, they, they're looking for advice, and you say, listen, if there's no one around to help you, how good's it going to be? So, if there's people in your life with a particular product, it is actually good to have someone that can help you. But, you know, my, my the interesting thing about that is Samsung runs Android, so does Oppo. Yep. Uh, I'd yep. be amazed if if the similarities aren't aren't there. I mean, it's a bit harder to find some things, maybe, but it's all the same in the end. What what sort of things have you been asking them? Um, well, my son's in, in IT and travels Australia doing his work, and when I present him with questions, he he has a play for a minute and then shakes his head and goes, "Nah." Don't know. Do you know what that is, though, Gordon? I'll be honest with you. That's Gen Y. No, no, mate. Do you know how much help I give my mother, brother, sister in technology world? Oh, not a lot. Bugger all. Because yeah. it's like you're in this other space. And so if you're at, if we're at a pub uh, enjoying a conversation and they start talking about tech, I'm like, I oh, this is, my, you know, this is my thing that I do for work. I don't want to do this in my downtime. So I, I forgive your son straight up for that because sometimes you just want to be in your family time and not your work time. So that's what I'm here for, Gordo. Your, oh, exactly. your, your family. Oh, look, I'd just get his mother to ask the question if he wouldn't <laughs> answer the way I need it. <laughs> so are you, looking, must be are you looking to upgrade or, or are you just looking to get questions solved on that oppo? Look, to be honest with you, look, the battery's now starting to, I've noticed right. lately. Look, we lost our Foxtel in our shop. I used uh, my phone and I am a watch in Thailand. So I played Thai FM radio. I'm a radio yeah, for the whole perfect. day with it plugged into the PowerPoint. Yeah. And since then... It's sort of not happy, I think. Yeah. And uh, I, I lose a charge. I, I drive from DY to Newport, and I've lost 10% charge wow. in that trip. Well, what what sort of budget are you willing to pay for a brand new phone? Are you going to buy outright or on a plan? Yeah, 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 outright on yep. a plan. Yep, good man. Um, I, was, I, I was looking looking at around the 400 mark. Okay. Look, for <clears throat> up, up to 400, you, you will find a lot of phones. So yep. let me start you with Motorola. Motorola G4. Um, it's a great phone. It's um, I'm pretty sure it's waterproof too, which is also a small advantage. But you know, it's got a good camera. It's it's got fingerprint sensor. You know, there's not really much to write home about other than it's a good, solid, performing phone, right? Motorola are no yep. slouch at making phones. So that's about three hundred and fifty bucks. 
right? You'll find that at yep. Officeworks, JB Hi-Fi, and those kind of places. Um, you another question. Good. What's that? Where to go? Where yeah. To go? Oh, look, if you're going to buy outright, I've got two options yep. for you, JB Hi-Fi or Officeworks. Um, yes. JB probably have a slightly bigger range, but that's just because of who they are. Um, Officeworks have, you know, it's actually sometimes just easier to shop there because they're kind of smaller and you don't, they don't have the um, piercings and, and tattoos that the JB Hi-Fi staff do. It's terribly... Uh... <laughs> Live with that. Yeah. Um, so so then there, there's a, there is a Samsung you could get. Now, JB Hi-Fi have got the J5 at $399. Now, the Samsung Galaxy J5 is, is a pretty much a brand new phone. But here's the thing. Yep. It has all the guts from a, a Samsung phone from maybe two or three years ago. So yep. it's not going to be as snappy as the as the twelve hundred dollar Samsung, but geez, mate, yep. it's going to give you that that issue of it's familiar to people who are using Samsungs, right? Yep. Um, Oppo have one called the F One S. It is three hundred eighteen dollars, and mate, it's a cracker, great phone. Really can't complain about it. Um, and, and everything else, mate, you're starting to talk even less money. I mean, there's a Sony Xperia XA for two ninety nine. My only gripe with that is the screen doesn't really pop in terms of brightness, but as a phone, great phone. Really, really impressed. I love that phone. So I would say to you, mate, if you walk into a JB or an Officeworks, hold them in your hand. The problem with most places is they don't have real-world demos of these. They have those plastic fake ones with a sticker on the screen. Um, But, you know, hold it in your hand, make sure it's the size you want and whatnot. But I reckon you're going to come... about five inches, yeah. Yeah, I reckon you're going to come... Come back to either the Oppo F1s or the Samsung Galaxy J5 at under four hundred. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, which was the Samsung? It was Samsung Galaxy J5. Pretty yeah. sure that one's only at JB Hi-Fi. You might find them at Harvey yeah. Norman as well. Um, Do you know the other reason? I was only I've got a little laundry, um, and um, I was in buying a spare part for one day, and it was interesting when I was talking to this bloke, and I'm finding now. Liking the washing machines, liking the phones, I sort of want to stick to the, the top brands because you can go and ask a question, they can answer it. It's like a washing machine. If you stick to the basic top line of the one, well, the ones that are, are branded, mm. you're going to be able to get questions answered. Well, here's the thing, though. I would argue to you that Motorola, yep. Oppo, Huawei, Samsung, yep. uh, Apple. Yep. You, you may not see all of those as equals because you'll think Samsung and Apple are the two biggest, and no doubt. Apple is certainly the biggest in terms of support and, and advice online. But, mate, Huawei and Oppo are the two biggest selling phones in China. I mean, it's not like they're not selling phones, right? It's just that in Australia, they're not as big as they are around the world. Huawei is the third biggest mobile phone company in the world. Um, so you're, you're right about face-to-face advice. But, frankly, mate, if you walk into a, a telco store and say, can you help me with this, they're not going to be able to help you. They're not very good. They're good at selling That's plans. Right. Who do you go and ask a question? Mate, honestly, the internet is your only answer for that. If yep. it's physically yeah. broken and there's an issue, then you go to one of those mobile phone doctor little shops at the Westfields. But otherwise, yep. if there's something that's bugging you, um, yep. that's why the internet exists. You know, That's why forums exist, and it's amazing how someone else has always got that problem. <laughs> and you help solve it too. I well, that's the, the, I mean, that's I'm the on thing. My, on my walk. There okay. you go, you know. We can talk. I'm okay with that. <laughs> so, Matt, I think you've got a few options. I think you've got a few options in the in the $400 mark. But you, yeah. if you if you really really want that um, that personal service, 
that, you know, I yep. want to walk in, ask a question, get this sorted. You know the phone yep. you've got to buy? Mm-hmm. An Thank iPhone. Me. I actually had a customer... Here, tell me this one. I had a customer come in the other day picking up some mining, and uh, she had a... Uh, what's the latest one? She's probably a seven. Yep. She was. She wants to just upgrade from the six to a seven. It's mm. a year and a half old, and she wants 150 bucks for it. Mm. She's got a six? Yeah. Oh, I'd be taking that 150 right now, mate. I'd be throwing it over. Oh, well, I better give her a ring. And Is it in good that. nick? Well, she's a lady, and she... Yeah. Has it been in the case? She's my she's my age. We don't throw things around. It's just she wants to go to the next level. She's happy to mate. Up. So here's the thing, right? 150 bucks. Have you got kids? Mm. How old are they? Sorry. Oh, the baby's 35. Right. So, well, are there grandkids in there now? Then. I wish they <laughs> may tell me. Just laugh at me. <laughs> sure, they're practicing. Um, the the thing is, let's say you gave the iPhone six months. And you don't yep. like it. Well, it's 150 bucks, mate. I mean, you could probably get that 150 yep. back again on eBay. <laughs> yep, yep. Honestly? I'll, I'll get my wife to ring her and say, bring it down. It's all, it's all mine. Do it, can you replace batteries on those phones or not? iPhones, no. Well, I mean, Apple can no. un, under warranty yeah. or, or at, a, at a cost, yeah. but you shouldn't need to yeah. really. Yeah. And, and a two-year-old no. phone, okay. mate. Here's the thing. When, when she's, if she's willing to hand it over, um, what she needs yeah. to do is wipe it and back to factory and she'll need to yeah. use her Apple ID and a few bunch of things there. But once she wipes it and gives it to you, it's it's fresh and it's clean and it's brand new again. Even if she thought yeah. she had battery woes, I bet you they're solved by just wiping it out. And you're just gonna you're gonna install some basic apps, you're gonna have some your basic things on there, and then you'll probably muck around with a few more. Trust me, the battery on an iPhone is good. It's not amazing. No yeah. phone has amazing battery. Um yep. Yep. but I reckon give give yourself three to six months on that iPhone. Uh, and yeah. and see how you like it. Yeah, oh, I'll put the call. And the, you've and I've just saved you two hundred and fifty bucks because you've you, you can keep the rest yeah, in your have. kicker. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and that would go with like my wife being from Thailand. I'm on a cheap phone plan with Labara, which means unlimited phone calls to Thailand. Yeah, the only thing and you need to check on. the only thing you need to check is that you've got a um a nano sized SIM card. And, and a little one. Yeah, the little, little, tiny yep. one. If you don't, yep. then you just get a new SIM. You're like five bucks and yep. you ring Labara and they fix yep. it. I get I get all that. I'm, I'm starting to learn. <laughs> Doing good job, Gordo. Good luck with it, mate. Enjoy the iPhone. And, mate, I'd actually love to hear from you again in a few months if you if you hated the iPhone and, and why. It'd be interesting to see. Yep. Well, the other son's got the Apple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So well, there I you go. You've got support. Fantastic. Thank Good on you, mate. Time. Enjoy. Thanks for I'm getting in touch. And if you've got a question about technology, just go to the website, eftm.com.au. If you've got a problem with technology, get in touch. Just go to the website, eftm.com.au. Try and help you out. G'day, Frank. Yeah, hello, Trevor. Hey, mate. What can I do for you? Uh, Trevor, we, um, I'm with Telstra with my mobile we are going to Vietnam next month, and Telstra do not do the travel pack uh, for Vietnam. So mm. what I'm going to have to do is put a go and buy a local SIM card yep. and put it in my phone. I'm just wondering, is that the best way to take a mobile from Australia to Vietnam to be able to make and receive calls to and from Australia? Well, interesting question because... You know, is it the best way? It really depends on how much time you've got on the ground. Like, my biggest problem with getting a local SIM card is you've got to physically do it. Now, 
I always try and advise against getting the ones at the airport because, you know, they're probably charging more. They're probably not the same service as the locals are getting. If you can find a local who can, if you don't speak the language, who can take you to a local um, telco store and buy a, a prepaid SIM as just a local would, then great way to go, mate. But you've, you've lost your first day on the ground, right? Because you've got to do that. But for, for, for local costs and, and the cost minimization, no doubt that it's the best way to go. If you want to do something else and you and obviously the issue with Vietnam is 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 the the roaming. Are you after data or calls while you're on the ground? Just calls. Perfect. Then what you want to do is consider and when I say consider I don't have the cost in front of me so check it out. But there's a thing called Travel Sim. Now I think their website is travelsim.net.au and they sell them I'm pretty sure at Australia Post. Now the advantage here is you go you buy the Travel Sim today and what you do is you're given a new number. Now, you're going to get a new number if you use a local Vietnamese SIM anyway. Uh, and you've got that number before you leave. So you can tell your family and friends what your number will be before you leave town, which is fantastic. Now, it's obscure. It's weird. But I've used it and it works. Here's how it works. They give you an Estonian phone number, like a random you know country number. It's a really weird long number to dial, but that doesn't matter because people can save it in their phone. And... Where people can ring you, no dramas at all, and you, you don't pay for the, the receiving of the call. Your friends obviously are paying an international call as they would be if they dialed a Vietnamese number. Now, for you, when you want to make calls, it's very strange. You dial the number, and then it dials and immediately hangs up, and then it rings you back. It's very weird, but it works every single time. It's very, very cool. It's uh, cost-efficient. You can top it up. It's prepaid. Um, you can go to their website and find out what the costs and calls and things are. And, mate, it works really well um, because you've got the number before you leave. You can still send texts. You can do all that stuff. Mate, I think it's the perfect solution for people who just want simplicity and to be contactable. If you want to make a lot of calls, then definitely go for the local SIM card over there, though. Right. Okay. All right. Hope that helps, Frank. Good luck with the trip. When do you leave? Uh, Next month. All right, mate. Enjoy the trip, mate. Thanks very much, Trevor. Have a good one. And if you've got a question about technology in your life, just go to the website, eftm.com.au. Now, we do it all thanks to the good people at Garmin, and I did a segment on the Today Show this week looking at uh, a bunch of retrofitting in car tech, and one of the products I took on was actually the Garmin wireless backup camera. The Today Show said, can you find a you know, reversing camera? I've got to tell you, hard to find a good quality one. Uh, I looked around some of the stores, and they were... I'll be honest, they just look like kind of cheap Chinese kind of products, and I didn't know that I was going to get the, the ultimate quality there. So I tried the um, the BC30 wireless backup camera. This is a $249 product, but um, what it does is the cable the, the camera kind of clips on the number plate or on the back, back of the car, and it wires through um, cigarette lighter for power, and obviously you can get double adapters for those things, which is great. But then it, it does, you don't need to wire all the way through the dashboard because it, it's wirelessly transmitting to... Uh, a Garmin screen, and what you what you use there is you know basically any of the uh, approved and compatible uh, Garmin navigators. So you've got a dash cam, sorry, a, a satellite navigation unit on the dash, and when you um, when you want to view the camera, you just press a button and bingo, the camera is engaged and shows up on your um, on your satellite navigation system. So a really great way to retrofit a reversing camera, um, if you, especially if you've already got a Garmin um, sat nav unit that's compatible with it. Uh, and, and really worth checking out. There's a bunch of Garmin sat-nav units. The Garmin drive range primarily, as well as a lot of the Nuvies, um, will work with the uh, 
uh, wireless backup camera. But check that one out, the BC30 wireless backup camera from Garmin. Your Tech Life with Trevor Long. Now, I got an email during the week and I had to go back and forth a little bit to actually confirm what it was and how it worked. And it was about teaching your kids how to care for pets. And it's an app that does that, but it does it using hermit crabs. And they're real hermit crabs. You go to a pet store, you buy these hermit crabs called the Craboos. Um, they come from four different tribes, different colours. Um, and they're your pet. You obviously buy a little container for them and all those different things. And um, the very cool thing is that uh, then the app reminds the kids what they need to do with the Craboos. So this little hermit crab, uh, you know, it tells you that it needs fresh water. It tells you you need to put salt in the in the pools. It tells you when it needs munchies and treats. And it basically tells you when things need to happen. And you can let it know that you've done those things. And as a parent, you can check that the kids are actually doing the things that they need to do to look after the crabs. Um, and so it's all about creating that care and responsibility around the pet. You know, you might do that for six months before you realize that the kids are capable and up to the routine of looking after a pet. Because you don't want to buy a dog and then have them never clean up after it or never feed it. That's a great way to kind of test whether your kids are ready for pets. don't know. What do you think? Um, EFTM.com.au. Hit me up on Twitter. At Trevor Long is my username. And, of course, I'm on Facebook as well. Uh, just go facebook.com forward slash Trevor Long. So, the drone, the E-Hang 184. Saw this thing 2016 at CES. Saw it a month ago at CES. And at CES this year, they said they'd flown it 200 times. They'd done flight testing even with people in it. This is the personal transport drone. It's a giant thing, size of a little little Mazda 2. Um, one seat inside and a tablet. You sit in it, theoretically, and you put your destination and it flies you there. There are no controls. You don't have to know how to fly at all. You just need to know how to sit and brace yourself, basically. Um, so we thought this is great. Maybe it'll be used for deliveries in a few years. Nah, do you buy? They're going to use it this year. It's going to be flying this June in July, uh, June and July, with people. Now, they haven't confirmed the actual details of who's going to fly it, whether it's going to be available, whether it's going to be two test flights, or whether it's constantly going to be in use. But their promo video definitely indicates a human being kind of making a booking, getting in his drone and flying somewhere else. So clearly that's what's going to happen. Now, I want to be there for that. I mean, count me in at least to watch it happen. Apparently 100 kilo limit, so I need to uh, drop a couple. 3.5 I need to drop, let's be honest, um, to get that happening. But with three weeks' notice, with this opportunity, I could do it. Um, So I don't know. What do you think? Uh, A very interesting... Very interesting uh, development for Dubai and for Ehang because is it too early? Is it too soon to be doing this kind of um, advance in in transport, in personal transport? Um, yeah, it's kind of uh, it's kind of interesting in that sense. So we will wait and see how that pans out. But I'd love your views on that one. EFTM.com.au or on Twitter. Uh, at EFTM, at Trevor Long. You can find me there. Your Tech Life with Trevor Long. And we do it thanks to Alcatel. Now, one of the products Alcatel makes uh, for other companies is the uh, Optus X Sleek. The Optus X Sleek is $179. It features a 13 megapixel uh, and 
rear and 5 megapixel front camera, a 5 inch display, a fingerprint sensor, and a very nice looking design. It runs on the 4G Plus network for Optus. Uh, it takes superb photos and vid- videos. Uh, unlock it with a touch of a button because it's got a fingerprint sensor and it's got 16 meg of storage, 16 gigabytes of storage on board. Battery life of up to 13 hours talk time and 17 days standby time if you were not to be taking many calls. Uh, it's a great looking product and uh, impressive one from uh, Alcatel and Optus, the Optus X Sleek. Uh, check it out now. Just go to the Optus website and search X Sleek. Uh, that one's made by Alcatel, saying so you no, know it's going to be good. Your Tech Life with Trevor Long. Thank you for listening. This is Your Tech Life. Uh, if you've got a question about technology, problem with technology, always happy to take your emails, take your calls. Uh, just go to the website, eftm.com.au. Now, we've talked a little bit before about the, the brand Boost Mobile, but what you probably don't know is that Boost Mobile was founded here in Australia in, in the year 2000. Think yourself back to the Sydney Olympics, folks. And that brand was taken to America is now a massive, massive American brand. And we kind of don't recognize that here. But its founder, uh, Peter Adderton, uh, has worked in America for many years, um, built that company, built that brand. He's back in Australia now, and we wanted to catch up and talk a whole range of things from where Boost's at, from where Telcos are at, and anything else that comes up in between. He joins me on the line. G'day, Peter. Hey, how you doing? Yeah, really good. So let, let's go back to, to 2000. What was the, what was the gap that, uh, that Boost Mobile tried to plug in the Aussie market? You know, it's interesting. When I first looked at the Boost brand, I was actually doing marketing for uh, Optus at the time, and we were looking at how they were marketing to the customers, and they literally had this uh, dragnet approach where they would drag this long fishnet along, and they'd pick up everyone from 5 to 55, and they'd throw them into one bucket, give them, a, at the time, a silver fl- uh, flip phone or a yeah. Nokia 3310, and then send them on their way. And we started looking at saying, you know what? This market's going to develop. People are going to want different plans. They're going to want different uses cases for their phones where youth might use them a little bit more on the weekends and less on a, on a Friday night. So we started seeing a real difference in the marketplace, but yet the carriers really weren't tapped into uh, going after that segment. So we built the Boost brand. And originally, Optus actually wanted the Boost brand as their brand. And mm. I said, listen, if you guys have it, you'll just screw it up. Yeah. So let us run it. Let us go out there and talk to the market and let us segment it and and really, that's the success that Boost has had. It's been very laser-focused and target-focused, and it, it grew so exponentially quick here. We partnered with uh, shareholders of mine that owned the Globe Shoe brand back then. Yeah. We went after the youth market. We created rate plans. We went on to prepaid, which yep. was, at the time, prepaid was kind of like leprosy. Yeah. Well, it was a lot of like leprosy. Like Everyone was like, well, I don't want to do prepaid because I've got no credit. I want to <laughs> do postpaid. And that's changed now where prepaid really is an acceptable form of, uh, of paying. You either pay at the beginning of the month or you pay at the end of the month. So how, what was then the, I mean, we, we'll talk, we could talk for hours about Boost on its own in Australia, but yep. then you take that brand to America. It, I see America as a completely different mobile market. I mean, the way they talk about plans, the way they talk about calls. I mean, they get charged for calls incoming. They, they, they pretty much uh, don't understand that phones can be bought outright. It's, it's a very different market, and that's because of our you know, contract-based mentality here. What was the opportunity in the US the same, or was it just that you had such a great concept and team that you thought you could build a brand over there as well? Yeah, it's interesting because the market was complex. It's actually a lot less complex today than it was back when we joined, uh, when we went over there in 2001. Um, when I sat across there and looked at the market, it was the same, same issue. You know, when you go to America, you come to Australia, and I've lived there 17 years. When I land in Sydney, I don't feel like I'm in a foreign country mm. when, I ran, when I arrive back in Los Angeles. So it's a very similar mentality. So what we said is the segmentation, brand segmentation is really important. You can't have 
one brand being everything to everybody, mm. especially in a space where people are using it differently. So that's really what got us to, to spawn the idea. The other thing is we also believed at the time that the kind of urban hip-hop market was really starting to move. But what you had was you had a lot of brands that weren't interested in touching that back in 2001, right. 2002. Classic <laughs> example is Pepsi signed uh, with Ludacris. And you might remember that Bill O'Reilly from Fox News got on on his show and he said, I can't believe Pepsi signed with this thug, this rapper mm, thug guy. Mm. Suddenly, 24 hours later, 24 hours later, Pepsi dumps him. It's a few huge um, yeah. issues. When you look at our brand, we went into Nextel, our partners, and said, that's what Boost does. We'll tap into that brand. And that, everyone was kind of super shy. So we went out there. We partnered with you know, P. Diddy, with Jay-Z. We actually one of the first ones to break Kanye West. So we went heavily into that culture. And then we connected that with the mobile phone yeah. and with our brand. And that's where the growth came for us. And so do those and, tiers, is that is that that's still a very valid thing today then? And it doesn't just exist in telcos. Um, the airline industry has the tiers. I mean, Qantas is Jetstar. Tiger is Virgin. Yeah. You know, they have their tiers so that they don't want to they don't want to sell cheap airfares on the Qantas brand. They'll sell those oh. on the Jetstar brand. And there's that kind of reluctance to uh, devalue your brand through affiliation in other markets. Um, I guess, you know, you're just playing that same game in the telco space. Exactly. I mean, you look at the segmentation of brands across the board. When you have a massive penetration like we have here in Australia of 100% plus of penetration of mobile, what you're doing now is you're now fighting each other. There's no real growth coming out of the business. Mm. There's no new new customers other than the young people that are coming in. I think in America, every year, 11 million people turn 11, right? So you've got a whole new youth base coming through. And that's really one of the things that we we focus on. What's that number in Australia? Do we know? No, you know, it could be good to know. I have no idea. But when yeah. you start, so you look at the growth of where it's coming from, it's coming from the younger generation. And, you know, my our, the Boost brand doesn't appeal to a 65-year-old, right? No, it's no. not designed to appeal. Our plans don't appeal to a 65-year-old. It appeals to a youth market. And you're never going to change. Like you and I are probably on postpaid. You and I are probably never going to move across to a Boost prepaid plan mm. or an amazing prepaid plan because it doesn't suit what we need today. Now, my kids do. My 18-year-old daughter does. She needs to be on a boost band, which she is, because that's what's relevant to her. And when you look at the plans that we're putting in place, everybody wants unlimited, right? That's all they want. When you talk to anybody and you look at America, it's Mm. all unlimited plans. They're going to be coming to Australia. And that's the part that I think really starts... And by that, you mean unlimited data, not just unlimited calls and texts, which we have Unlimited everything. Yeah. And that's what's happening in the US right now. And and what's what's the value proposition? How do they differentiate each other in that case then? Therein lies the issue. <laughs> Therein lies the issue because it's not a brand differentiation, right? And that's what we're going to be doing. What they're trying to do now is they're trying to do that through content. They're trying to say, right. hey, if you're an AT&T customer, you get unlimited direct TV or unlimited um, ATT on the go. So you get all these channels zero rated. So we're seeing a little bit of that here in Australia already. Uh, Telstra have got Apple Music. Optus are promoting Netflix zero rating. There's a bunch of those kind of um, add-ons. I think um, uh, Vodafone offers Stan, not not unrated, but, you know, they offer things. And so basically what's what's been a a start on that um, is going to go to the next level. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, well, think about that. So you're right. I think Optus here in Vodafone offer unlimited Spotify and unlimited well, how, how does that help anyone but Spotify and the customer? So the carrier doesn't make any more money out of that. Mm. So why they're buying these content companies is because they want you to sign up for the subscription. So they realize if they're going to zero-rate content, they may as well own that content. And that's the critical part that I think people are starting to miss here. And that's where the carrier's next revenue growth, their next growth in business, is literally going to be coming from, uh, is going to be coming from that.
So then here's, here's my big gripe with the Australian mobile market. We're all paying too much. <laughs> and look, I, this is fantastic. Yesterday, I got a text message from a, a, one of my best mates. Quick question. My phone bill is 120 a month with Telstra. That's crazy. Acknowledges the price. Want to stay with Telstra? Can you think of a better deal? I said, how much data do you need? He said, no more than four, I reckon. It's more about calls. Check that he phone, owned his phone outright. And you know what I sent him? I said, mate, here it is. Boost, $30 a month. So $30 a month gets him three gig of data on, to use on weekdays, an extra gig on the weekend, seven gig theoretical over the month. I've said, I've just saved you $1,000 a year. I mean... Well, you, th- you think about this. So I've got a, uh, a brother of mine who rang me up the other day and he said the same thing. He said, Peter, you know what? The kids are using more data now than they've ever been using. They're now streaming YouTube. And he said it was okay during January when they were at home and they were on the Wi-Fi network. Now the kids are on the bus. They're going to school back and forth. He said, these guys are burning up. So all these family plans that you see out there, what's happened is they work on a certain data rate. But when these young kids start to burn more, you've got three kids watching mm. YouTube for an mm. hour, mm. you're in trouble. So what they're now doing is they're now moving across the boost. They're going, you know what? Here's your $30 plan or here's your $40 plan. Mm. Here's your 11 gigabytes or here's your 7 gigabytes. It's up to you. You can do guys do whatever you want to do with it, but if you go over that, that's your own problem. And so you're starting to see. By the way, this is a, this is a classic example. We believe, uh, looking at some of the numbers in America, that the average gigabyte required for a monthly user is going to be around 200 gigabytes. We think in the next two to three years. 200. 200 and by the way, we think 20 gigabytes minimum. 20 gigabytes is going to be required to be provided by a mobile network. So when you start to look in two or three this, years. Yeah, when That's you start staggering. Look, but you look at the amount of, but this is the part, you look at the mobile data growth, mobile video data growth over the last 12 months. It's growing at well over 50 to 70%. So these networks, you know, I was actually talking to someone today and they're like, well, what about 5G? And I go, listen, these networks can't handle the amount of video data that's coming down. There's a reason why people are putting out Wi-Fi networks. There's only so much pipe and spectrum that you have mm. and the carriers are panicking because they're sitting there going, holy cow, we're offering, look at America, we're offering unlimited data, unlimited bundles where people can just binge on, watch as much Netflix and YouTube as they want. Mm. This is all coming at a cost, by the way. Yeah. This is all coming at a cost, and this is coming at a cost of these networks. So it really is, when you start to look at where the people are going to be in the future, again, 20 gigabytes is going to be the minimum that you're going to require coming out of your mobile carry in order for you to do HD streaming and all the other things that you want to be able to do. We're going into a whole new world. And it's, 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 you know, I said to someone this morning, I said, see, if you're an investor in a carrier today, what are you investing in? Like, if you invest in Facebook, you're investing in growth, right? You understand? So if yeah. you're investing in a carrier, what are you investing in? It, 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 it's, it's a question that I ask people. What is, what is, you know, what does it look like when you sit there? Well, I mean, from an investor point of view, they're investing in an ARPU, an average revenue per user, and they want that number to go higher, you know? Um, that but is clearly, but that, the metrics don't work that way. If you offer things for cheaper, then your ARPU is not going higher. But this is, right? and this is my, my, my problem with the, the Australian market is you have three big carriers that, that are driven. I mean, I'm, I'm not an investor, I'm not a business analyst, but yep. I, I see them being driven by that average revenue per user, and they, they try to push that to 50 or $60 a month, which allows. Um, the Amasims, the Boosts, the the other smaller carriers of the of the country to hit that lower per month number. Now, you know the fact that you can get what you can get from Boost for thirty bucks, let alone twenty bucks or, or forty bucks a month, um, is is staggering. And the bigger challenge really is that Australians are 
in this contract mentality. Now, what you just said to me is stark because if you need 20 gig, let alone 200, in, in a couple of years from now, Think about the people that are in a month month from now are going to sign up to a two-year plan with a Samsung Galaxy S8 if and when it's announced, um, and they're locked into, I don't know, let's say they're lucky enough to get six or seven gig from Telstra or Optus, maybe nine gig on a $70 or $80 plan. In two years from now, that's their data enough. allowance. It's not, it's not going to be enough. Especially with the generation, it's simply not going to be enough. And you can see those numbers coming, and the carriers can see those numbers coming. It's it's. It's incredible. But Do you think they bank on my... that? Do you think they bank on that so that at the in the in the last you know six months of your contract you need more data, therefore you'll pay for more data? I don't think that. I, look, I think any carrier that's out there at the moment has no clue how fast this is growing and how they're going to actually you know fill the pipe up. There's spec. I mean, especially looking at the US, there's spectrum constraints, there's network constraints. You know, and the other thing when you talk about five G, because that's the next thing that's mm. coming. Everyone's mm. like, this five G is going to be great. Is that you talked about the handset? The one part that no one ever talks about when they talk about 5G, is the actual hardware. There's going to be an incremental cost to the hardware. You're mm. not going to be able to take your existing iPhone or Samsung and no. stick it on a 5G network. There's going to be a premium. So the question becomes is, what is that premium? I don't think anybody knows. How much more is it going to cost for a 5G handset than it's going to cost me for a 4G handset? And is the trade-off of the speed worth it? Yeah, and so I, then- I would argue... So you, know, you know what, Peter? I still argue today that for... I'm not going to say the vast majority, but certainly the majority of people, 3G today is fine because for what people are doing in, in different demographics, okay, the younger demographic which Boost operates in obviously notice speed and notice this stuff. But, you know, I'm not sure that the trade-off from 4G to 5G is worth it in the first three to four years if, if we have to pay more for a handset. No, it's only worth it to the carriers. The only reason why no. we went from 3G to 4G is that the networks actually became more efficient for them to deliver voice, which means they made more money. There was no, let's make the speeds faster for yeah. our customers. Yeah. It was like, we need to get off 3G because we've got so much traffic coming that we need to move to 4G. That was purely a play that they built into their P&L that showed that it actually was more efficient to deliver a voice, a text, and data through a 4G network for them from a profitability point of view as opposed to worrying about the consumer speed. But you look at 5G, and I mean, they're the questions that I keep asking people. is like, okay, so who's making a handset? How much is the handset going to be? If there's a 50% premium or a 40% premium or a 30% premium on 5G, who's going to do that? That means that means anybody who moves to 5G has to update their phone. So if you're locked on a two-year plan, you're going to have to update your phone if you want 5G. And then the cost is going to come in. A lot of people are doing BYO now. So the BYO, the bring your own SIMs, yep. bring your own devices, and then you, you know a lot of the SIM-based businesses. So what happens is the carrier go back into handset subsidies. Now they've got to subsidize 5G phones to get people to take them. I mean, look, there, there are so many questions that are going to be asked. <laughs> but the great thing about what we do at Boost is we're network agnostic, right? We take the best network and we put the best plans together and the best content and we connect it with the customer. And a lot of times inside the carriers, the customer is sort of as some form of marketing term, right? Mm-hmm. And it's unbelievable. It's almost like, yeah, that's the end user. They call them like the end user. I'm like, hang on, these are customers. These How are network people. agnostic are you, given your links with Telstra? Uh, well, look, look, you know, we're complementary to Telstra, right? There's no reason. I mean, Telstra wouldn't take us just for us to go in and follow any carrier just to cannibalize their own base, right? Uh. So our whole strategy is to go out there, create plans that brings people across that want a plan that's more relevant to them. So, you know, and, and something that Telstra can't do. And it's not something that Telstra wants to do because they're like, listen, we've got a big base, we've got a big customer base. Yeah, and, and from a competitive point of view, offering the Telstra network is an advantage. Oh, look, offering any good network is an advantage to anybody. So that, that works. 
that works extremely well for us. And as I said, we're complementary to Telstra. I think Telstra was very smart in getting Boost onto the network um, and be able to go after this segment that we that they can't touch. And uh, they don't, you know, they don't have a super focus on the uh, kind of urban metro youth. That's what we do. So we wake up every morning thinking about, okay, how can we create plans and products that connect the youth to our brand? And you know, Telstra wakes up in the morning as does Optus and everybody else, and they got, you know, how do I handle business? How do I handle this? How do I handle that? How do I handle fifty-five-year-olds, sixty-five-year-olds? We're very focused and very targeted on their market. Yeah, and that's that's the key, right? You you know your market, you know who you're targeting. If you get some other people, great, but uh, but you know uh, where, where the market that you want to uh, achieve is and what they want, and you can cater to them now and into the future. It's a fascinating industry. You're you're a bloke with ridiculous experience and knowledge in this space. Fascinating to talk to you, and hopefully we'll catch up again soon, Pete. Mate, really appreciate the time. Talking technology here on Your Tech Life. If you've got a question about technology, got a problem with technology, get in touch. Go to the website, eftm.com.au. G'day, Liam. Hi, how are you? Good, buddy. What can I do for you? Um, so we're building a new house, and we would like to know, like, what technology we should put in, like doorbell security cameras and stuff. So we obviously means you and your family. Your mum and dad got a big plan? Yep. And uh, what, what, can you, what can you tell me about the house? Are they building it from scratch, or are they... Uh, renovating? Um, Knockdown rebuild. Okay, beautiful. So you've got a literally a blank slate. Well, uh, that's a great. I mean, how what how awesome! <laughs> I got to I got to re rewire a little bit of an old place. But um, okay, so the first thing is let's walk at the front door. You're definitely going to want a ring doorbell. So cool. Okay, so ring doorbell, outstanding, great connected stuff. Um, out the front, you could certainly have, um, there's two types of uh, motion detection security cameras I'd be looking at. One is the uh, Netgear Arlo cameras, and the other one, Netatmo, are going to bring out a, um, uh, a sensor slash uh, camera shortly. So that's, that's a pretty cool little bit of kit. Um, I love having the, uh, the up-to-date weather and information. So you get the Netatmo weather station. Now, it sounds like a silly gimmick, but here's why you want something like that. Because as you'd appreciate, Liam, it's not about one device having information. It's about that information being shared. So with a weather station, you could have information about whether it's hot, cold, or, or indifferent, and that could trigger other things to happen. So that could trigger air conditioning to turn on or heating to turn on, things like that. So it's, it's useful information for your home to have more so than, than yourself. Um, that's probably it for the outside, don't you reckon? Yeah, sounds good. So, mate, on the inside, here's the fun one. Is it one story or two story house? One story. So, I love our, um, our Belkin Wemo light switches. They're very good. Means we can turn our lights on and off from a phone. Um, but also, there's a normal switch there. But also, you can set uh, rules and, and different things. So you could, you know, just say, look, all the lights off at nine o'clock. Just done. Don't have to worry about whether anyone's left their lights on. You know, all the lights turn off at eight a.m. Because why would a light ever be left on during the day? Um, but the critical thing that you need to talk to your electrician about is that these Belkin Wemo switches need what's called a neutral cable. Now, I know nothing about it, but basically in a home, they don't always run a neutral cable to the light switches. And so we could only put these Belkin Wemos upstairs in the bedrooms where um, our electrician could run a neutral cable down the wall. Um, so just make sure they install a neutral cable, and that means you can get the... Uh, the smart light switches as well, right? Yep. Um, I think after that, 
obviously the core of the whole thing is your network. You need to make sure you've got a, a good internet connection and an excellent Wi-Fi network. The current benchmark for me is the Netgear Orbi. Uh, the Linksys VLOP will be out soon. Basically, one of those two is going to cover your whole home and, and you buy extra little satellites. If it doesn't, that'll make sure the ring doorbell and the light switches are always connected. Um, and I think the other critical one is is heating cooling. So you probably heard a lot about the Nest, haven't you, Liam? Yep. So the problem with the Nest, which is a thermostat, as the Americans call it, is that most Australian homes don't have a single uh, heating and cooling uh, thermostat. So, for example, my place, we, we I've got several zones. So each bedroom is a zone. So you need to find out whether your folks are going to put in a... Um, an air conditioning system, uh, and if it's a multi-zone system, then you can't get a Nest thermometer of any sort. You need to, you need to just deal with whatever the air conditioning system is going in. But LG has connected air conditioners now. The one I've got is an Actron, so you can get connected air conditioners as well. That's all. That's pretty cool too. Um, I think we forgot the front door. Uh, after the doorbell is the actual door lock, so you can have a Bluetooth connected slash internet connected front door lock. Mate, that's awesome. Um, and the other thing I'd do is I would, uh, I'd, have, I'd go to Harvey Norman or wherever they sell them and have a look at the Philips Hue lighting. So this is a really cool. This is kind of strip lighting or down lights that can be uh, altered to different colors and also different temperatures of white. Sounds ridiculous, but it really makes a difference when you want to just change the, the kind of uh, look of a room uh, and it's not too bright white. You can have them kind of dulled out. Uh, and, you know, in places like a kitchen or an entertainment unit, the, the strip lights are a really nice way to add effect. And these also are internet and app controlled. Yep. Is there anything you've been thinking about that you that I haven't covered? Oh, not really. We were mainly looking at the ring, which sounds pretty good. So Yeah, mate. Ring, ring is a great start. And you know the great thing? Apart from the air conditioner, which is a pretty big upfront decision, uh, and you don't normally retrofit that, although you might, but in this, in a, in a rebuild, you'd, you'd probably put it in straight away. Um, the only one that can't be done after the fact is adding the neutral wire, although in a single-story home, I believe you can. So all of that stuff can be retrofitted, mate. All that stuff you can get as you go. You know, we bought a house that's 25, 30 years old, and all yep. of those things that I've mentioned are in our house. And yep. we don't use them all every day. We press the light switch button more than we use the app, probably 10 to 1 ratio. But yeah. it's cool to have. And uh, and when things start to happen, so I love the fact that when we go away, uh, I can set our lights to be on a random away mode as opposed to just saying, oh, this light comes on at 7 and turns off at 9. This one comes on at 9 and turns off at 11. And a, and a, a thief will notice that pattern. So you can have randomized lights coming on and off and things like that. But just remember, mate, Liam, the most important investment is that router, your Wi-Fi network. Because yeah. if your Wi-Fi is crap, everything's going to be crap. Mm, yeah. Cool. Do you reckon you'll get the folks over the line? Are they on board with the smart stuff? Yeah, they want most of it, so yeah. Awesome. Well, mate, I look forward to you should do a um, you should do a blog or something on on the the purchase decisions, the construction, you know, the installation, just, you know, it's good information for other people. I'd, I'd love to see that and certainly read that. All right. Sounds good. Good on Thank you, Liam. You good luck and enjoy the new home uh, when it's built. What's the, what's the time frame? Oh, uh, it's meant to be ready in about three months. So. Beautiful. All right, yeah. mate. I think the electrician is the most important one to talk to about those neutral cables for the lights. Make sure that happens. All right, buddy? Yeah. 
Thank you very much. Good on you, Liam. And if you've got a question about technology in your life, go to the website, eftm.com.au. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. Back again very soon. Uh, Next week, we'll preview Barcelona, the Mobile World Congress, uh, which I'll then uh, bring you at least an episode from in uh, Barcelona in a couple of weeks for all the new mobile phones on the market. The best thing to do, though, is follow on Twitter at EFTM, at Your Tech Life, at Trevor Long. Follow us also on Facebook. Just search for EFTM or search for Trevor Long. Like it all. Follow it all. You'll definitely get the content that way. We're making a bunch of videos, fun stuff, articles, and, of course, on the radio every single night on uh, Talking Lifestyle. Talking Technology is the name of the show. 8 o'clock every weeknight, taking your calls. For those of you in Brisbane and Melbourne, great news. The show will be coming to you as of February 27. Uh, that's 8 p.m. weeknights on Talking Lifestyle. Uh, Talking Lifestyle 1278 in uh, in Melbourne, 882 in Brisbane, and two, and on Talking Lifestyle 954 in Sydney. Uh, all that and more uh, wherever you are across the country. I'm pretty sure you'll be able to find uh, radio coverage from me. Uh, check it out and uh, get in touch anytime, eftm.com.au. Thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading. Let's do it all again next week, folks.